drones are everywhere these days. But how do we tell the benign from the malicious and stop them from shutting down airports? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The coming of drones, or unmanned aircraft systems, is a perfect example of technology preceding the means of controlling it. Late last year saw sudden shutdowns at England's Heathrow and Gatwick airports when drones violated their airspace and the devices couldn't be immediately identified. We can expect more of such incidents as the number of drones in the skies increases. So we need a solid means of control, rapid identification, and responsible operation. On the show today, I speak with Luke Fox, founder and CEO of White Fox, a specialist in drone airspace security. He'll explain how technology can prevent future incidents such as those at Heathrow and Gatwick in combination with fair regulations, law enforcement efforts, and proper signage. There are, in fact, ways to determine an unidentified drone's intentions and ensure the safety of the nation's airspace. So here is my conversation with Luke Fox. Luke Fox, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So as you know, we had experienced an earlier issue at England's Gatwick Airport with a drone seriously interrupting aviation there. And only today I'm reading about another incident that just happened at Heathrow. So this is turning out to be something of an issue. And I, I'm wondering, where are the gaps in security that has led us to the state of affairs where it is so easy to shut down an entire airport from, because of the presence of a simple drone? Yeah, absolutely. One of the problems is, I think, just a general misunderstanding of the threat that drones pose. Drones offer a lot of opportunity to benefit society in a lot of great ways. What we've seen is a lot of pushback from people saying that drones can be operated by terrorists and people can use them maliciously and do bad things. While that's true, this is a point in time with Gatwick and now with Heathrow, there's now recognition that even if someone does not have malicious intent, no matter what the intent is, just simply people operating drones recklessly and without the technology to be able to enforce them, similar to a highway patrol disguise, without that technology in place, you really have no mechanism to be able to enforce the laws and to be able to safely manage drones that are flying in airspace where they shouldn't. Well, from the very start, when drones began to emerge as a commercial possibility and over the last few years, their threat to potentially interfering with commercial aircraft was stated even at the time. But I'm wondering, was it understated? Were there unanticipated consequences that are only now occurring to us, or did we kind of know all along this was going to be a big issue? Yes, it's a great question. Generally, what we've heard is a sentiment that, well, drones could collide with aircraft, and that would be really bad because then the, the aircraft would come down. And what White Fox's position has been on this from the very beginning is that drones offer a lot of benefit, that we want to safely integrate them into society, and that if we only look at the happen chance statistically of a small drone colliding with an aircraft, you could argue that that's rather small. But when you look at just having the drone in the airspace, that that could cause the whole airport to shut down, that is indefinite. 
and not having the technology to be able to know when it's in the airspace and when it's not in the airspace and then to be able to remove it from the airspace. All of those things were very much underappreciated for a long time because so much of the focus was on drones could be used by terrorists. The fact is the biggest threat is the use of drones by just the general public and without the technology to be able to respond to them because they do offer so much benefit and there's so much good that the general public can use drones for that there needs to have that mechanism of safely integrating them. Let's back up for a moment, and I, I want to ask you to define just what airspace is with respect to a, a commercial or even a military aviation facility, a typical airport. What is the kind of the bubble or the perimeter around that facility that constitutes airspace through which a drone should not be allowed to penetrate? Yeah, this is actually a really fascinating question that's adapted over the years. The very first stance on it was that just looking horizontally, that there should be a five-mile bubble around any place that you can have an aircraft landing or taking off, including a helicopter. When you do that, you pretty much cover most metropolitan cities because you have a lot of large airports, but you also have small airports and helipads on hospitals. So then that size was reduced down, and people said, okay, what if that is only two miles, uh, nautical miles? And then what if you reduce that down? And now there's been some really interesting developments where now what's called the bow tie method, which is looking at just the pathways aircraft actually take off and land, because that's where planes are most vulnerable. But then you also have to look vertically, right? So how high above an airport, and not just an airport, but when you look at critical infrastructure, how high above that should be protected, and should we be monitoring and ensuring that a drone can't fly, let's say, 50 feet or 500 feet above that nuclear power plant. Okay, so you're saying that bubble can be so big as to incorporate an entire metropolitan area, though. I live in San Francisco. We have several major airports here within this area, and you would think that the bubbles might even intersect with one another. I'm just wondering, though, is it the case that the bubbles could be so large in a large metro area that drones would effectively be shut out from operation altogether? Yes. And that has been the concern. And there are people out there that say, well, drones can be used by terrorists, so we need to stop them from flying in metropolitan areas. Whereas White Fox's position is that there's more good that drones could offer than bad, assuming that you have a mechanism to manage them. So that's where there's a lot of talk around UAS traffic management or unmanned traffic management, UTM, and the work that NASA is doing to ensure that they're safely managed so that you can have them fly in metropolitan areas. Because when you take that knee-jerk approach, which is very likely and going to continue to happen, what we've already seen happen after Gatwick, of the fear that comes from, okay, well, let's just ban them all. So we're looking for a way then to allow for the deployment of so-called good drones. Is this still a work in progress in terms of developing a UTM? Is there more work to be done or is this technology already exists? I know we want to talk about your security technology, but also from the standpoint of controlling airspace, is that still a technology that is not quite ready for prime time yet? This is the billion, not trillion dollar question globally, which is, what technology can we use to safely manage drones? And there is not a single system in place anywhere really in the globe to be able to do this. There's a lot of great pilot programs. White Fox has participated in them with NASA, with FA, some on the global scale. So we're very familiar with what's going on, but it's really in its early days in its infancy. And until we have those systems in place, we're unfortunately not going to be able to unlock the full benefit of drones. And of course, part of those systems it's like building a highway in the sky. You need to be able to have the highway in the sky. You need to be able to have the roads 
those roads in place, and you'd be able to have the laws and the regulations, the traffic cones and the traffic signs. And then on top of that, you'd be able to have that law enforcement mechanism to be able to enforce it. And all of that is what finally builds that UTM, the unmanned traffic system, and with that, the highway in the sky. Well, given the years and years of pain and delay in the FAA simply stepping up to a modern-day technology in its everyday operations, that doesn't seem to bode well for the early establishment of the type of technology you're talking about here with the UTM and the like. Are we making progress? Are you positive that this technology can be debuted in the reasonable future to serve this purpose? This has actually been really interesting thing that we've seen from the governments within the United States, but also around the world, where what they've done is they've grown a greater appreciation for the commercial sector and the private industry to come in and really provide assistance and provide these solutions to them in a way that's very collaborative. So we've seen this with LAMPS, the low altitude authorization notification capability that the FAA has rolled out in about last year. Okay, so you you indicated, and it sounds perfectly reasonable to say that the proliferation, the, the great preponderance of drones out there are not going to be operated by terrorists, and yet that threat can't be ignored completely. So is there technology, is it your technology, or is it yet-to-be-developed technology on how to tell the difference? If you identify a drone coming into airspace, is it a mistake by an operator? Is it harmless? Is it a delivery drone? Or is it potentially a terrorist drone? Is there a way to make a distinction? Yes, absolutely. With that, you really have to first ask yourself, what type of drones are out there? And there's two ways to classify drones and four ways to classify pilots. So when you look at the drones, is the drone reckless? Is it malicious? Or is it doing what it's supposed to be doing? So when you look at on the drone, it's called the four C's. The conscientious, the clueless, the careless, and the criminal. And what you want to do is really be able to understand, well, why is that drone in there? What is the intent of that pilot? Is that a conscientious pilot who's following all the rules, doing what they're supposed to do and participating in the system, that they're cooperative, they're authorized? That's on the conscientious side. Or is it someone who's clueless, who does not know the rules, they're operating in, for example, flying too close to an airport or flying over a nuclear power plant, and they're not intending to do harm, but just their simple presence near Gatwick Airport causes the whole airport to shut down in millions of dollars of loss and potentially colliding with an aircraft, right? That's the clueless. That's the 13-year-old kid who got the drone for Christmas. And then you have the careless. And this is, unfortunately, statistically, according to quite a bit of limited research that's been done on this, that a lot of pilots fall into this. Now that we've increased the education programs and the knowledge quizzes set up by a lot of drone manufacturers that you're required to take before flying your drone, now people know that they shouldn't be doing certain things. But they also know, and Gatwick further emphasizes this, that there is not widely deployed technology to stop people from doing bad things. So that's where this biggest bucket, the careless. They know they shouldn't be doing it, but they do it anyways, and probably they don't really realize the full impact. For example, people flying over wildfires. They don't recognize that when they fly over the wildfire, even though they know they're not supposed to, they don't recognize that that shuts down all aerial operations and often ground-based operations. Fire spreads cost many millions more damages and potentially puts lives at stake. And then finally, you have the criminal, which is the smallest category of all, but still very much a threat. But all of those, the clueless, the careless, and the criminal all need to be safely managed. Just like we have the highway patrol, we don't drive around on the highways with tanks, but we do have the highway patrol to stop low-level offenders as well as high-level offenders to be able to safely manage it so that the entire 
society can enjoy the roads. Now, ideally, though, these determinations have to be made very quickly and should be made without the deployment of human intervention. Is the technology there, is your technology or anyone's technology there to allow for that today? Yes, absolutely. White Fox has deployed systems around the world to do exactly that, to be able to allow people to be able to quickly detect drones in their airspace, to give them that situational awareness. And then to be able to identify the drone. So to be able to do that forensic threat assessment, is this drone supposed to be here? Is it authorized or is it an unknown drone? And if it's unknown, what is the intent? Is it someone that's most likely clueless or careless? Or is this a criminal bad actor with determined bad intent? And then finally, after that is done, the detection identification, we then, when necessary, move into that mitigation, which can be automated, but to your point, without human intervention, so it can be done very quickly or to have a human in the loop to ensure that it's carried out according to their protocols, and then be able to safely remove the drone from the airspace without causing additional collateral damage or affecting other communications or other people in the area. Is this an aspect of artificial intelligence? Yeah, great question. On the side of drones, there's a lot of really interesting ways that drones have been applied to different scenarios, which means that their technology advances very quickly. So one of the ways that White Fox stays ahead of the curve is by using artificial intelligence to ensure that we always remain in pace and ahead of the technological threat. But it comes down to mostly, I would think, a visual check, does it not? I mean, the the, the system is taking a picture of the craft, or is it more than simply looking at it, determining the model of it, how it's flying? I mean, all that strikes me as being very visual. Are there other ways that you can determine what this drone is doing and where it's from? Yeah, it's interesting. The first two kind of widespread approaches to detecting drones was based on audio and visual, which seems to be pretty common sense because traditionally it's been a guy or a woman standing out Side of an airport or outside of a military facility looking in the air, looking for a drone. And then they said, well, let's automate that. We have cameras and we have audio sensors. But unfortunately, both visual and audio have a lot of drawbacks. They've really limited range. There's false positives, among other considerations there, such as what happens when it's foggy. What happens if someone turns on the lawnmower? With that, what we've done is we've taken a hardware and software approach, created proprietary technology to analyze the radio frequency environment, the RF environment in the airspace to differentiate the different signals to be able to then isolate and identify where are the drones that are operating in the airspace and then to be able to identify are they authorized or are they unauthorized and then to continue down that path and when necessary to take control and remove the drone from the airspace so that you can selectively choose which drone is operating in the airspace that shouldn't and remove it. Is that what is meant by advanced threat analysis, or is there even more to that term? Yes, for the forensic threat analysis and that advanced analysis that's being performed, what we do is we analyze it, and where there's different approaches out there that looks at the spectrum and says, oh, there's something new in the environment that may or may not be a drone, maybe a new Wi-Fi router, maybe someone's cell phone, or maybe a drone. What we do is our machine learning algorithm actually takes the individual packet and analyzes it, and in doing so, it's able to determine, is this a drone that's been seen before? And when it was seen before, was it authorized? Or is this an unknown drone? But many times what we see, for example, in installations at prisons, we see the same exact drone coming back every single night at 4 a.m., right, and delivering contraband. So as soon as you see that drone at that prison or any other prison, then you instantly know that drone is malicious. That drone is purposely there to carry out an illegal act. 
What that allows us to do that's really exciting is that it then allows us to ignore Farmer John's drone that's flying half a kilometer away doing great things and making his farm more efficient. And that's real-life situation that happened where previous systems installed and there's a lot of false positives because a lot of the farmers in the area were starting to use drones, pivoting the farmers' use of drones for good because there was this fear and this concern about the drones that were being used for bad. Let's say a drone is detected within the airspace of an airport facility, and it is determined that that drone is not malicious, that it's either careless or clueless. Does it even then propose enough of a threat to the facility that the airport must entirely shut down, as was the case with Gatwick and Heathrow, or can less severe measures be taken with that knowledge? Yes, this is really interesting. One of the focuses is on the drone coming into the airspace, and then there's the panic. The interesting thing is that if that airport, if Gatwick, had a system like one of White Fox products that can detect the drone tell you where it is in the airspace, tell you where it was launched from, where the person is that's flying it, they can immediately respond to that. And they don't even have to necessarily take a technological response. They can go find the operator and arrest them. Alternatively, simply knowing when the drone's in the airspace, and this was a key thing and issue at Gatwick, is that they didn't know when the drone left and when it, then when it came back. So simply knowing when the drone's in the airspace, they might only need to have to shut down the airport for a small fraction of the time that it's actually shut down because they have a standoff period. But then not only on that end, if you did want to take a technological approach, this is something that we've had clients do where they say, we're going to, most drones, we're just going to sue our clues and careless, and we're going to go and talk to the operator, find the operator, talk to them, and tell them to move their drone from their space. If it takes more than X amount of minutes, then we're going to then go and mitigate the drone and remove it from the airspace. So it allows a much more efficient and thoughtful approach to the problem rather than this panic. There was a drone in the airspace. We need to shut down the airspace for an hour and then see if the drone comes back. We need to reshut it down. And then this cascades down to affect millions of people around the world. Let's say, again, if it's not a malicious drone, which would, of course, be trying to deliberately obfuscate its origin, how easy is it to trace the origin? How easy is it to find the operator of any given drone within a reasonable amount of time? As CEO of White Fox, I'm most familiar with our technology, so I can't speak too much for the larger industry. But what I can say on our end is that we currently track and locate the pilot of over 90% of drones. Based on what information? On the pilot proactively providing that information if that pilot is following all the rules of drone operation? Or you don't need the pilot to do that in order for you to make that determination? It does not require pilot participation. We use a technological approach to ensure that we're managing in all of the RF communications in the airspace. And you can essentially trace the signal? Is that what you're doing? I mean, is there a unique fingerprint of each drone that takes you back to a unique owner? I'm still kind of unclear on, on especially if the, if the future holds hundreds or thousands of drones out there you know, operating simultaneously. What is the mechanism by which you can make that determination so quickly? There's a multi-pronged approach that we take. So on one hand, the vast majority of our deployments are on the counter-UAS side which is ensuring that we're tracking and aware of drones operating in the airspace and then looking at the different signals that are being emitted from all the devices in the airspace, including the drones, including the pilot. And from that, we're able to ascertain the exact location of the pilot in many cases. On top of that, we also have technology that allows for remote identification, 
which is a big push uh, internationally, and what White Fox has been tapped on the shoulder to help provide assistance on the security side of that. So authenticating the information that's being provided by remote identification. So it's kind of the digital license plate of drones. Okay, so just to wrap this up, just again, I just want to get back to this idea of where are we now and how far are we from being able to secure this system? You seem to be indicating that your technology is here today and operating fully, whereas some of the technology being deployed by the airports to define their airspace and control that is still yet to be fully developed. What is here now, and how long is it going to be before you think all the requisite technology is in place in order to address this issue of drones potentially interfering with airspace? Well, what I can tell you is that White Fox has a solution today, and with Gatwick and Heathrow, there's more understanding of the threat that drones pose even passively by being in airspace. And with that, our technology continues to be deployed more widely and in different environments where there's a recognition that drones can cause additional issues. In terms of timing, we see the timing very much quickly approaching as people understand greater the impact that drones can have in a negative sense when not properly managed. So it's a balance of the excitement of drones and all the opportunity they provide with balancing that with ensuring that they're being properly managed. And maybe still early days in terms of full implementation. But uh, Luke Fox, I want to thank you so much for painting a picture for us of what is going on now in the world of drones and how perhaps we can prevent total shutdowns of airports like we've seen in the past when drones do tend to penetrate airspace. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That was my conversation with Luke Fox of White Fox, talking about how to ensure the safety and security of drones in our airspace. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.